0: Uh, morning all Uh, this morning's bible reading is from philippians chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. paul and timothy servants of christ jesus to all the states in christ jesus who are in philippi including the overseers and deacons grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. This is the Lord's Word.
1: Well, it is good to start this series. Who's excited to be here today? Oh, there we go. Woo, woo, woo. Um, Who's having fun? Less, maybe. Um, Who is happy? Uh, Of course, all these words, they're not not quite the right word for what a pastor should say when he gets up to the pulpit. Uh, We don't come here because we're excited, although it's a good thing if we are, or just having fun. Church is more than Fun who's happy? Yep, sometimes that's a product of a good morning, sometimes we're lacking it because it's not a good morning. Uh, The question I ought to be asking is, who here is is joyful? That's what this series is about and it's more than being excited, uh, having fun, being happy Uh, and yet what we're going to find is that joy informs all of these things. It informs the way we move, think, be, I've been looking forward to this series for a while now, and we're starting the year well as we seek to be joyful in the Lord. Now, I'm so thankful for last year for getting to know you, uh, for serving you, and seeking God in our plans to be His church in the place that He has put us. This is a series about being joyful, full of joy. What is the secret? What is the secret to true joy? It's not a mere kind of like what sparks joy, of course we think of um, Marie Kondo and I was actually quite happy to see in the news this week that she's kind of given up a little bit on keeping a house clean with three kids, Ah, welcome to real life. Um, <laughs> everyone's got an answer to what sparks joy, it might be the ocean, I was there yesterday, it was beautiful, very uh, life enriching but life isn't always a beach, is it? It could be family or friends, but we know that Christmas isn't always cheerful. It could be work, uh, but it's so up and down and so often full of stress. We have tasted enough in this life to know that we enjoy joy, but we also know that it's fleeting at times and we crave it. And so what is the secret to true joy, to contentment that endures? Well, this short letter of Scripture, just four chapters this short letter, sorry, to the Philippians, has the word joy 16 times in it. So I'm hoping by the end of it, that Jesus is sort of hammered away at kind of His joy in our life. As we think about what it might be for for Paul to write to this church and be so joyful, it would be easy for us to imagine that the Philippian church is awesome. Uh, You know, we know what it's like to be around people who are awesome and it's easy to sort of spark joy in that space. And so maybe kind of Paul is writing to the awesome church in Philippians... They're pretty good, but that's not the reason why he is joyful. Philippians will show us that joy is not a life hack or just kind of circumstances in life or getting on with good people, nor is it some kind of spiritual thing. Just in case you think I'm just going to drop Jesus and therefore everything's going to be joyful, uh, we have to actually explore how Jesus intersects with our life and how the good news actually uh, kind of fills us with joy. And as we situate ourselves in the context of Philippians, we find that actually that's what Paul is doing. He's actually speaking uh, about the joy that they have in the realities of life. Uh, You might have picked up on it that that Paul is in in prison, he's in chains. Uh, He is uh, in a Roman prison while the Philippians, uh, you know, there's a church there that, that he planted many years ago with Timothy, uh, and, and they're under great stress too, they're actually really worried about Paul and so they've sent Epaphroditus with a kind of a care package because Roman prisons weren't known for their caring in prison uh, and, and so that's, that's very you know, nice but they're actually just really worried. Uh, we're going to see Paul speak into their anxieties. They're worried not only for Paul and for Timothy, but they're worried for Epaphroditus, who nearly died on that journey. Uh, they're worried about uh, the pressures of living in such a patriotic uh, kind of Roman colony that doesn't really have space for Christianity. Uh, they're worried about, uh, sort of, or Paul's worried about, false teaching in the church while he's away. Uh, so there's all these kinds of worries And oh, how worry so quickly eats away at our joy, and yet Paul is going to write time and time again to be joyful in the Lord. And it's not just a command, but it's something for us to enjoy. This is a letter for every season of life, ups and downs. And we're not seeking to puff ourselves up and find joy in this launch Sunday, but rather, we want to think less about ourselves and more about Jesus, so that we might seek our joy in Him. Now before I just start with verse 1, I think it's, you know, given that we're going to talk a lot about joy, hope you're not sick of me saying that word already, right? Um, no, nothing like hearing lots about joy when you're not feeling it, so we'll get there, right? But uh, it might just be worth defining our terms a little bit. What do I mean by joy? Um, well, uh, if we looked up a dictionary, we'd find something like, you know, an emotion evoked by well-being, success or good fortune. Lovely. <laughs> Christian joy is deeper than that. This is one I borrowed from John Piper. Christian joy is is a good feeling. You might be surprised to hear him say that, feeling it. Yes, joy is a feeling, it's an emotion in the soul, it's deeper than just kind of superficial, produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. Again, we have to see this intersection of the, of the Gospel, the Word and the world to see how Jesus is really making a difference in other people's lives, in our lives. And, and you know that moment where you sort of see a kind of um, a newborn baby and, uh, you know, there's, there's not an ugly newborn baby in the world, right? Everyone just sees a baby and it's like, like, oh, it's, you know, it, just, it just wells up. You can't, you can't even sort of try and, you know, make it a frown. It just sort of bubbles up. Uh, it's the same as when we look upon the beauty of Christ and when we see His beauty... It's just a natural response in us, that it would well up in joy but there are so many things in this life that cause us to not see His beauty and so Philippians is a call back to the Gospel. All right, let's begin. What is the secret to true joy? Uh, Keep your Bibles open, Uh, we're going to be spending uh, good time in these words and so, yes, follow along with me. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Easy to skip over those two verses, uh, particularly if you've sort of read a few of the letters, they always sort of start like this, and you know, we've, we've read it before, we'll just move over it. But also, we're just not in the habit of letter writing anymore, and so we just, we just, you know, even when you see an email, you know, dear Mike, or to, no, no it's dear, to Mike, we just skip over that and get down to kind of like, what do you really want, right? Right. Uh, but there is, kind of, there, there is joy to be found in these opening words. And I wish, in a way, that as kind of like in, in, in our phone or in our email app or whatever, you know, rather than sort of just having Mike or kind of my wife Kel as some kind of like, you know, just transactional information, thing, I wish it said something as wonderful as this at the top of my screen. I wonder if my, my, my headers and footers in my emails could have the richness of what Paul writes in this. What do we find? Firstly, we find Paul and Timothy co-writing this as servants of Jesus, not lofty titles, not like global planting champion, Uh, no, servants of Christ Jesus. And as they write this, they're saying, we're doing all of this, serving God and serving you. It's written from from below, uh, not above. It's not Paul sort of demanding, it's Paul actually lifting up and loving. And he doesn't write to uh, the church I planted in blood, sweat and tears, uh, nor does he write to Saint Paul, the great church in Philippi, <laughs> as if it was named after him. No, look, look at how he writes, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. He knows this is Jesus' church he knows that this is God's work and so he not only participates in it but, but, he, but he speaks to them accordingly. To And what does he say? To the saints in Christ Jesus. Now, is that a moment where kind of half the Philippians go, oh, I guess he's not right to me? Uh, no. I, I mean, I wonder if you think that, like it, to, to the saints uh, of Jesus Christ in Tungabbi or maybe there's three of them. No, 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 There there is hundreds of them. And indeed, we are praying in our mission prayer that God would bring hundreds of more people to Him in this community, not just to us to puff ourselves up, but to Him. And what we, when we say saints, we're not meaning kind of just Mother Teresa's, but we're meaning anyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus. Because what happens when you trust in the Lord Jesus is by grace, you are saved, you are, you are born again. Uh, and and as, a, as a newborn Christian, you, you are moved out of the kingdom of darkness, where, where we live to please ourselves and where we're king, and, and we're moved into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way Paul puts it in Colossians. And, and when that happens, God is setting you apart for Himself, for His holy and special purposes. And so you're not kind of, you're not growing in sainthood to finally get sort of some kind of title, no, no, when you, when, when you trust in Jesus by grace, you are now holy, you are now a saint. We don't think of ourselves like that and I wonder if that's one of the ways that we eat away at our own joy, if we might just kind of contemplate, God has made me a saint. And as that, we're not thinking about our own glory as such, we're actually thinking about, wow, God has actually, He thinks of me that highly, He loves me that much, He values me that much. And so Paul writes to the saints in Philippi. And for those of us who are still balking at the idea that we might dare call ourselves saints, and that could be for all kinds of reasons, it could be our acute awareness of our own sin. Look at what Paul writes next, this is to you, if, if you're balking at the idea of sainthood, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Take that moment to just breathe it in, to, to remember what God has done for you in saving you by grace, in what Jesus has, has won for us in His death and resurrection, And receive it. Stop beating yourself up but turn to Him in faith and repentance and receive grace and peace. This is the bedrock of our joy, the good news of Jesus, that no matter who you are, what you've done, by faith you might receive grace and peace and all that comes with being united with Christ, including His joy. Now, for some of us who have been a Christian for a long time, it might feel like we're sort of just going through the motions, uh, that kind of the, you know, the Christian thing, particularly sort of, I reckon sort of the 30s is actually a really tricky season for this because, you know, in the 20s, you know, you go to the uni group, you get really pumped with lots of like really interesting kind of doctrine and kind of you, you dig deep, you're hungry, you're thirsty to know more about Jesus and then 30s and you're kind of, you know, maybe you're living in suburbia, here we are, uh, maybe you've got young kids, oh, just, you know, and then you're on, the, on the, then you're doing the career track and it's just all kind of like wheel after wheel. Uh, and it's easy to kind of just flatline in your faith. Uh, friends, one of the greatest encouragements uh, in all seasons of life, as we seek to serve in joy, is to see that God is, work among, uh, God is working amongst us. And the joy of seeing someone come to faith is one of the most joyful experiences uh, in, in our walk. And so I want us to long more and more for God to bring people to Himself here. And even as we have the baptism service in a couple of weeks' time, Uh, May that be a great encouragement to us as we see what God is doing among us. A couple of years ago, uh, when church was still kind of online, uh, you know, in the chat space um, uh, as I was moderating, uh, there was um, a lady named Kit and she typed kind of a a question uh, in that that chat space saying, "How, "'How do I know I can be forgiven?' I was like, oh, that's a juicy one and so quickly we're sort of chatting away and it turned out that she'd sort of been sort of on the fringe of church for a long time, a long time uh, and while she didn't tell me in that moment, uh, she was actually dying of cancer and she knew it and she needed to get right with God but she knew that there was stuff in her life that she needed to deal with and so she was looking for a confidence, how, how can I know for a fact that, that I might be forgiven because not, I've not got joy right now, I don't have this confidence. Well, not only did she get baptised in a hospital bed, I might add, but she invited her husband, a Japanese-speaking man who didn't speak much English at all, to actually consider Jesus as well. And so, there I am with a translator doing two ways to live with this, uh, with this man, uh, and he was in his 70s, I think, um, maybe 60s, and, and, uh, and he came to faith uh, th- through that. And so, they both are being baptised uh, in the midst of kind of circumstances that would otherwise say no joy. And there they are, receiving uh, kind of the joy of joys, uh, being being baptised in Jesus and celebrating life in Him. Friends, let us be reminded of the joy of receiving grace and peace as we look to those around us and what God is doing in us and through us. The second secret to true joy is, is partnership that's what Paul goes on to talk about. Uh, Verse 3, he says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Can you see kind of how labored that is? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. (laughs) I have to admit, sometimes reading that doesn't spark joy, it's kind of like, Paul, are you serious? Every prayer, every remembrance, always full of joy. Do you know those kind of Christians that are just so joyful and happy, you're kind of like, (laughs) Oh. <laughs> may they be a blessing to us. Um, but P- Paul here looks a bit alien to us, doesn't he? Like, he's just so, like, I mean, I, I, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy uh, in every one of my prayers because of our partnership in the Gospel. Man, but that's not what we ought to aspire to, as, as every time he thinks of them, he doesn't just think of them as kind of his friends, he thinks of them as kind of, uh, the only reason he knows them is because of Jesus. And when he thinks of them, he's like, I see Jesus working in them and it just bubbles up in prayer and in joy. But because it's helpful here, again, they're not friends, they're not just friends of his, he says, because, the reason why I have joy, the reason why I pray for you, is because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. partnership in the gospel. Uh, That little word, the gospel, that means so much to us, the good news of Jesus Christ that we've just talked about, who lived and died and rose again so that we might receive by faith grace and peace and joy and new life and forgiveness and the Holy Spirit who's made us a child of His. Many of us will have particular scenes in the gospel that we've read and cherished, I've been chatting to Sally in the office about uh, watching The Chosen and kind of like some of the, the moments in that that just kind of like uh, capture the beauty of Jesus. And I, and I, and I lay this because I want to go back to that definition of joy, that as we, as, we, as we gaze upon the beauty of Christ, let that well up in us a joy. And so when we say the Gospel, we're talking about not just the message of Jesus, but, but Jesus Himself Who lived, who actually was in in this world and lived and died and rose again for you. And as you gaze upon His beauty, may that be a source of great joy. And Paul's joy is made real in prayer as he remembers them We've had all kinds of partnerships in life, no doubt. Um, some of them spark joy, some of them less so. Uh, marriage, I'm hoping sparks joy, uh, for those of you that are married. Um, business partners, um, you know, can be a source of, of joy as you work on great things together, but also can be very stressful. Uh, batting partnerships in cricket, I don't know much about cricket, I just thought I'd put that there. Um, uh, group assignments, anyone? No. No. Um, <laughs> In every example you can think of partnerships, even at their very best, is a, and in their best sense, they're contributing to something bigger than ourselves, uh, but they're all human endeavours and they're all me- mediated by humans and so they're all uh, subject to failure. But what Paul is bringing us into is not just kind of a church-planting initiative, uh, not just kind of a strategy of the church, but he's bringing us into the partnership in the Gospel. It's Jesus' work, it's His church, And Jesus has already been given the victory in His resurrection, so failure is not kind of, that's not an option, it's already been sealed, done away with, Jesus has won, He is victor. And that access that we have to this partnership, by grace, it gives Him, it gives the Philippians a, a bedrock, a confidence, a joy, Uh, one of my memories uh, in this space, thinking about, you know, a partnership in the gospel, not just in sort of like a, in leadership or in churches, uh, was when Kel and I were leading a beach mission uh, many years ago. It uh, feels like, yeah, it's many years ago now. Uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a privilege, in the go- a partnership in the gospel, taking the good news of Jesus to holiday makers on the south coast for us in Shoalhaven Heads. Uh, we were leading that team and uh, there were times that were quite stressful, quite Quite joyful, but there was one moment that really carves into me the kind of the, the, the gospel partnership we have, the access to the Father that we have, and it was uh, one afternoon we'd got news of a particularly big storm rolling in, uh, very windy, and uh, so that you know when you've got a lot of uh, you know expensive tents, uh, you know we had a big top and kind of you know heaps of other tents, you know it is a source for great anxiety, and so there we are lashing tents down with storm guys, and uh, we thought we ought to also, just as though it was an afterthought, we thought we also might ask God for some help. And And so we're just about to rally people to prayer and we turn around and we find that a whole team is gathered in little groups, praying their heart out. And it's it's like at one level, that's just a really sort of, you know, simple kind of everyday kind of example. But for me, it captured kind of, here are people who understand the partnership in the gospel, what they have access to, what they're part of, and at a moment's notice, they've taken it upon themselves to rally in prayer and God indeed was merciful that day uh, and to others in our caravan park in every season, there is an opportunity to enjoy the partnership we have in the Gospel, to serve God in response to how He has served us in Jesus. But just to press into this confidence a little bit more that I mentioned, uh, that Jesus already won the victory, look at how Paul puts this in verse 6. Again, a source of great joy, I am sure of this, he says, you can be sure of nothing in this world, maybe taxes, death, Right. Uh, I am sure of this, that He who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm hoping this verse might be on our lips and our hearts, so that as we interact with people, as we do the ups and the downs, there might be a sense of, I trust that God will see this through for you, that Jesus will, will carry it on to completion, that which He has begun, A parent might, uh, might be filled with joy, for example, in seeing an anxious child who had been distraught in their inability to do something, finally be able to do that thing that they couldn't do. Uh, yesterday, I went to the beach uh, with my family and, uh, you know, normally a source of great joy but for one of my children, uh, didn't want to go to the beach, a source of much anxiety, much stress and we had to weigh out whether it was really worth going to the beach. But I tell you what, uh, when we saw the joy of him finally making it into the water... It was the joy of joys, it was the highlight of the whole day. Sometimes we can't see the end in sight, sometimes we're stuck in that kind of moment in season in life where, where there's full of, full of anxiousness, we're distraught, we can't see a way through. We can only imagine what it would be like to have that joy at the end uh, when it comes good but here Paul is saying, one of the reasons for my joy is that Jesus will see this through to completion. So that even if you were anxious in this moment, even if you have reasons to not be joyful, I know that Jesus will see this through to completion. That is the confidence that sparks joy in Paul and ought to spark joy in our partnership. What's eating away at your joy right now? Is it is it fear of failure? Is it stress? Is it distrust? is it disillusionment, is it sin? And in the context of partnerships, when we carry these things instead of joy, we hold back, we, we don't push through, or we, or we do push through and we burn out because it's in our own strength and not joyful. And if that happens, it further limits our joy, no doubt. Paul is inviting them to experience the wonder and the joy of partnership in the gospel, to not hold back, but to lean in, to enjoy more the God that has brought them into partnership. How might we do that at church? How might we deepen our partnership and our experience in the partnership of the gospel? as we allow the the good news of Jesus to intersect not only in our own lives but in the lives of those around us. And as we think about that moment of kind of joy when, you know, whether it be kind of a a child that finally makes it to the beach or or whatever kind of circumstance you find yourself in, as you get to know people more, as you get to see the way Jesus is working in their life, look at the way Paul responds... To, to, the, to, kind of to real life, to real people. He speaks about it with such affection and not just his own affection but, wow, this is, I want you to look at this, right? Verse 7, indeed it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. Verse 8, here we go, for God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul here is reflecting on his own deeply felt affection for the Philippians. Uh, not just friendship, not just kind of like, hey, it's good to hang with you guys, but this, this deep affection. He has them in his heart, he says, and he longs for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. That is a huge statement. To ponder just how much Christ has set His affection on people and to join in on that is is huge, right? Think about, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. That's the affection of Jesus. He sees you in your sinfulness as an enemy of the Kingdom and He sets His affection upon you and for the joy of you coming to know the Father for being adopted into God's family, for that joy set before Him, He endures the cross. He delights in you, in your adoption, in your growth. He longs to work in you and through you. And Paul says, with that affection, I miss you. And he feels this way because of their consistent partnership in his ministry, through thick and thin... You know, whether it be in prison, whether it be in defence of the gospel, in confirmation of it, in every season, in up and down, they have experienced the wonder and the joy of partnering in the gospel. And so now, that, you know, with that in mind, now in this hard season, he's not kind of down. He's like, I know Jesus is in this, and we're going to see that next week when we look at how this continues. And and I've and I've so enjoyed sort of what Jesus has done in us and through us already that. That I'm just I'm just thankful to be in this partnership with you guys. I I I love you and I miss you, and I want to encourage you no matter what season. How do we, how do we cultivate that? How do we cultivate that kind of affection in this community? I love the way Paul puts it in one Thessalonians two eight, where he talks about uh, not only sharing the gospel with them but his life with them. The only way we can really speak in terms of affection and really mean it is to actually know people. Now, man, if if you're not in a small group, for instance, and and maybe if you're just online, or if you don't actually know people here very well at all, you, you are actually missing out on the affection of enjoying the partnership in the Gospel with others. Now, I'm not questioning kind of whether you're saved by faith, that's a totally different thing. I'm talking about... The encouragement and the joy that comes from from knowing others in Christ and, and and being part of what God is doing among us and through us. We've got to cultivate that. It doesn't just happen. We we can't just sort of say, "Hey, small groups are on a Wednesday night, seven thirty. Be there." And sort of out pops joy. <laughs> we we open the Word. We speak into each other's lives. We walk alongside each other through the difficult seasons. We carry each other's burdens, we pray for one another's sins, we cultivate this this affection as we press into all that has been opened up to us together. And with all that in mind, the third secret, and the way I'm just going to finish here, is, is Paul's prayer, is just prayer in general. That we have access to the very throne room of God, to come before our Heavenly Father as children, as messy children and opened up in Him in prayer. He says, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you might approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Just, just a couple of things here, right? As he prays that their love will keep on growing. I mean, we, like, we, we live in a culture where, where, we, where we love love, like it's a good thing to love love, but, but this love has a shape. It, it, it's a Jesus shape. He, he prays that their love will keep on growing in the knowledge and every kind of discernment, uh, that is God's will. And so as, as, he, as Paul acknowledges that there are circumstances where there is cause for much anxiety... Uh, Should Paul send back Epaphroditus or or Timothy to encourage them? Uh, How might the church resist kind of the pressures of culture around them? Uh, What do you say to false teachers in the church? Paul's praying that as they make decisions in wisdom that they would be able to discern God's will, what is His good will, and look at how he puts it, he says, so that you may approve the things that are superior. At one level that sounds like, you know, afterwards you're like, God, I approve of that, that was real good. Uh, we're not standing over God in some kind of approval, but so that we might, we might taste that the Lord is good, that as we press into His will, we're like, yes, I can see that it is good. Sorry for doubting it, <laughs> thank you for leading me into it and all the while, so that on that final day when we see Jesus, we might be pure and blameless in Him. Paul is praying in their Christian journey, from this very moment of anxiousness, all the way to when they see Jesus face to face, all covered by faith, all with Jesus, and yet growing in love, growing in knowledge, growing in affection, and filled with the fruit of righteousness and all the good things that bear out of being in Christ, and all of this is to His glory. Friends, I'm hoping that as we, as we read Philippians together, that not only will it be further cause for us to gaze upon the beauty of Christ, but it will be cause for us to, to actually think about what is eating away at our joy what are the circumstances we find ourselves in and how might we enjoy the affection of one another, the partnership that we have together and that we might walk this Christian walk together to the glory and to the praise of God. Let me pray. Father, what joy of joys to be in Your presence. But we don't always feel it as such And yet, Father, we we long for it and so, with all that Paul has reminded us, all that You've shown us in Your Word this morning, would You give us cause to pause, to breathe in Your goodness, to remember all that You've done for us and to walk forward in the joy of knowing You and making You known. We pray that we'd enjoy this together and so, we ask that You would fill our conversations fill our times together, fill to overflowing, we ask, to Your glory, Amen.